Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 25, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, welcome to the MLR Kickoff podcast, episode 25, Dan Power with you alongside Pete Steinberg, and we got a big show as we go into the review of all the action from last week. We talked to our player of the week, and of course, as we do every week, we'll dive into the preview for next week's, this week's game, sorry. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-commentator, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, a quiet week for you and I in terms of rugby, but busy nonetheless. How are you, my friend? I'm, I'm doing well. I, I loved it. I mean, I love this weekend because um, I was at home. It meant I got to watch the games live and there were some great games to watch. Um, you know, some of them were on at the same time, so that made it a little bit challenging. And of course... Um, Got to uh, um, watch my uh, with my daughter, my two and a half year old daughter, who um, last night um, before she went to bed told me that she wanted to watch her rugby boys. So I guess I'm doing I'm doing something right there. But a great a great weekend of Major League Rugby. You are you are parent of the year 2019. <laughs> it's only March, but let's just crown you right now. Absolutely, I spent the uh, most part of the weekend in the uh, in the ER as my son got his appendix out. So not oh, uh, not too much fun, but a blessing that I was home and not on the road. So things That's all right. work out. So it was all good. But let's dive into our travel tip as we do every week. And Pete, you've got the reins this week. What's your travel tip for the folks at home? So you know, I'm actually going to use this tip um, with uh, um, this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, the um new york glendale game the raptors versus rugby united in new york at mcu park which is down near coney island so um the tip is to really think about when you want to travel so i actually get in quite late on saturday night into LaGuardia, and i could like then travel down um to uh you know towards mcu park and, and get a hotel nearby but what i'm actually going to do is um i'm going to stay right next door to LaGuardia. it's going to be late um i'm going to get there i'm going to get a good night's sleep and i have time in the morning so one of the things as you travel a lot is to really think about how you can maximize your sleep and one of the ways you maximize your sleep is by like really making sure that you're being smart about which hotel you book so that's my travel tip and it's one i'll be using this weekend where are you staying, Pete, for the for the fans at home so they can come out and see you there in New York? Um, I'm staying, I think it's the LaGuardia Marriott. I think oh, that's concierge lounge, I hope? I, um, I, you know what? I'm not sure. It was just really, really close. So for those of you that don't know, when you travel as much as Dan and I, um, and you become a, um, a Marriott, what is now the Bonvoy um uh, loyalty program member and you travel enough and you become platinum, which I think is 25 nights a year, you get access, if they have it, to a concierge lounge, which um, gives you, you know, free breakfast and free snacks and free drinks. So, But I'm going to be getting there so late, Dan, and it's LaGuardia. You know how hard it is to get out of that place. Um, I'm, <clears throat> you know, I probably won't be using the, uh, the, the concierge lounge as much as I would like. No, I agree. LaGuardia, not my favorite airport, but uh, that will be a good game. We'll dive into that a little later, Pete. But first, let's go over the results from the weekend. It was a big weekend with four games on tap, and it kicked off with the christening of the stadium that you're heading to this weekend, MCU Park, Rooney's homecoming. And for a long time, let's just say 79 minutes, it didn't look like it was going to be a great homecoming for Rooney as Toronto, they were playing the role of spoilers. 
uh, a lead of, uh, I think it was 21-17 uh, at the back end there, or 21-19 before John Quill got the try at the end that got Rooney the win. How much of this game did you get to watch, Pete? Um, oh, I watched the whole of this game. Um, this was, I thought, a really, really good, good game. I was, you know, I'm still trying to work out the Toronto Arrows, and I think part of that is because they don't yet have their best squad. So, you know, they're, they're getting guys back from the ARC, and I think that we're really beginning to see them play well. I thought it was a really, really good game of rugby. I thought there was great continuity, which is one of the things that um, – that that you want to see so you know over um you know what is this over 170 rucks which i thought was really good like really good like lineouts and scrums great execution uh the the interesting thing for me is sort of like well you know what's the difference in the game and i thought um there were you know there were some moments where balls were held up and and you know opportunities that weren't taken and balls were dropped um but I think that the, uh, um, you know, this was really taken. I thought that the Rooney forwards did really well in the line out. And remember, you know, they lost um, Cahill Marsh only after 21 minutes. Again, obviously not 100% back. Chris Martina stepped in again and they were still able to hold it. But to me, the thing that really stood out was the defense of actually both teams. But in particular, Rooney, they made 174 tackles. And they missed 10. That's a tackle percentage of 95%. I mean, that's like, you know, you say anything about 85% is good. That's that's 95%. Toronto weren't far behind. They made 150 tackles. They missed 14. So their tackle percentage was 91%. But in a game at this close, those sorts of margins really matter. Yeah, they do. You look at those statistics too. And I think you were on social media saying, probably the game of the year thus far. And it's hard to argue that, Pete, because looking at those statistics, both with incredibly high tackle percentages there and, and the scoreline reflects that 24-21, a close game. And Ben Foden, a slow start to the year, but he has really found his rhythm as he ran for 125 metres on the night. A big night for him as well. Dylan Fawcett, again, outstanding. Dylan Fawcett in that New York side, it, it almost adds, you know, 10 points a game to that side. He's just that influential. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the big change for Ben Foden has been moving him from outside centre to fullback. He's just really been such a strong player there. Um, and I think that, you know, that's his, that's his natural position. Um, and I think that's where he's going to provide the most um, to, the, uh, to the Arrows. Well, all eyes will be on Cahill Marsh and his recovery. Remember, Harry Bennett is signed, the young Australian fly half, playing for Nyack at the moment to get minutes in. Uh, pro rugby fans, if there's any left, uh, probably not too many, but uh, we'll remember him from Sacramento. He played fly half for them, young Australian, uh, the long flowing blonde lock. So they do have an adequate replacement at fly half. It's just a matter of whether or not Mike Tolkien wants to risk Carl Marsh again because we saw him got D, he got dinged up against Houston and he did not last long at all in this game against Toronto. Yeah. So keep your eye on the roster announcement in a couple of days there, Pete. I absolutely I think that's gonna be really key. I think I think on the Toronto side, I think there are some players that are really um uh, stepping up. I mean, I thought um Detroit at the inside center um was really strong. I mean, the guy had ten ball carries for 69 yards and had 12 tackles and no misses. And that's, and that's from the, the, the centers. And I also think that that Toronto probably have the best lock pairing 
um, in the league uh, with Mike Shepard and um, Paul Cialini. I mean, those guys are both really, really good players, I think. Um, and we're going to see, I, you know, this Toronto Arrows team has been on the road. They're staying in touch in the top four. And, you know, they have one more away game. I think they have a bye and then they have an away game. And, I, you know, this is going to be a team that's going to make a run. And this is going to be a team that's going to get harder and harder to play as the season goes on. Yeah, I'm so excited to see Toronto play at home. And I'm sure their fans are excited because... Yeah, I'm sure they are too. They're getting the hype of this Major League Rugby, Pete. They're getting... They're watching the games. They're very well supported up there already. And you know they're just chomping at the bit for the sun to come out, for the frost to melt. And they're going to come out in force. And I think it's going to work out in their favour because they're in a much better position. I know they're outside the top four right now, but they're in a much better position than I thought they were going to be at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, they started slow... Uh, you know, they're getting into it. I think um, I think Toronto was a little surprised at the level of Major League Rugby. Um, remember, these were the Ontario Blues that played in the Provincial Championship um, uh, in Canada. And I think this has been a bit of a step up, but I think they're slowly getting their MLR legs and um, they're going to be exciting to watch. And, you know, from our perspective as sort of um, US-based commentators, I'm really looking forward to getting to know the Toronto players more as we go through the season, because these are guys that, you know, we, we haven't seen playing in pro rugby or we haven't seen playing, you know, D1 or, or in the university in the U.S. and certainly um, not playing for the Eagles. So I'm very excited um, to get to know those guys a little better. Well, I got to run into a couple of them after the San Diego game, their comeback win there, and they're just typical Canadians, Pete. They're just obnoxiously polite. And they're just a, <laughs> just a bunch of good old hoses up there. But uh, great guys. And, uh, yeah, love having Canada involved in Major League Rugby. Let's jump uh, forward a day, Pete. It was Seattle and Austin Elite. And for a moment there, just, just for a fleeting second, Pete, I thought, hang on, is Austin going to break the duck here? And then Seattle, they found their rhythm in that back end of the game. That last 20 in particular, they were uh, typical Seattle. As they got the win 29-17 down there in Dell Diamond in Austin, Texas. And uh, this game, probably one of Austin's better performances. They still haven't found a way to get the win, though. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a, actually a pretty good um, performance. A great start by um, uh, JP Aguere, who just uh, um, joined them from... Lindenwood, I want to say. I think I think I have that right. I'm sure Aaron will will correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. But um, you know, uh, had a hand in the first two tries, and they were up, and they were they were looking good, but really struggled in the set piece. Couldn't win the scrums. Um, uh, you know, you know, struggled um, to win the lineouts, and and that's where it really hurt them. You know, they were you know they were constantly on defense because they couldn't retain the ball. I mean, they had to make. 222 tackles. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of tackles to um, only 98 for Seattle. And I think that's why you saw Seattle pull away in the second half of the game. Yeah. And look look at where the traffic was going to. Romero and Aguera making 25 and 23 tackles right. each. I right. mean, that just shows you where Seattle was directing their traffic. And I tell you, the Seawolves, they're, uh, they're kind of – Getting in that rhythm again, they did last year. And it uh, could be a little bit of a worrying sign. They do have some home games at the, the start of the year, so they will be on the road a little bit here. But they'll get healthy. It was the return of Roland Suniola as well. And, you know, 
Shalom, Roland and Andrew, all brothers, but you couldn't find three different style of players that play in the same position. You've got, you know, a true thunder and lightning and Andrew and Shalom. And then you've got this bizarre mix of the two with uh, with Roll. Uh, Rolly just has this, um, again, I went last week. I went, uh, who'd I go with? Uh, Jason Robinson with Paul Orderman, and he didn't play this week. But that Sonny Bill kind of offload where Roland can go to the line, bring in two defenders and get the ball away. Wait, certain, yeah. That wrinkle is really going to help Seattle, especially with Matt Turner, if he can start popping up on his left and right shoulder, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I think Seattle are showing a bit of their depth. I mean, there's a couple of things I think are really interesting. One, you know, there's a bit of a battle, I think, between J.P. Smith and um, Phil Mack about who's the best nine for Seattle. I think they're both very, very different. Um, if you remember last year, the losses that Seattle had was when Shalom Suniola wasn't on the pitch. And so even with Roland on the bench, I think Shalom is such an integral part of how that back line in particular defends. He's like the pivot, right? So their defense has a strong middle that comes up hard. And then there's a pivot that happens in the back. And that normally happens around 12. And I thought George Barton had a really good start, but he doesn't, he's not as good a defender and he's not as agile on his feet. And, you know, Rickard Hatting, you know, I, I remember watching him, in the playoffs last year and of course he was injured for most of the season and thinking what a dynamic player he is and he's he really showed in the game what a great player he is um and just really really phenomenal impact when the ball's in his hands it's so hard it's it's, it's really hard for you know he always is able to get the ball on the other side of the defenders yeah, him and Brad Tucker what a good combination Tucker at lock uh Hutting at eight just run with mean intentions, both of them. And they've uh, got that skill to get the ball away as well. So good signing, Brad Tucker, to compliment Ricard Hatting there in the back row. So Seattle, they continue on their winning ways. And then the biggest blowout of the weekend. Well, hold on, Dan. Well, he's got something. I, I got one thing because I had to go back and watch this a couple of times. And it's one of those instances where you see something happen in a game and it didn't, it, it led to eventually to a record having try, but there was a pass by the tight head prop, Tim Metcher, to um, Sequoia Burt Coombs that was a double miss flat pass that put Burt Coombs over the line. He wasn't able to put it down. That led to a scrum that led to a try by Hadding. But that pass by Metcher, I literally had to go back and I was like, who passed that? Like, I thought it was like a great pass by a back. And it ended being ended up being the tight head prop. And Dan, you and I, and along with Aaron, we talk about like sometimes in Major League Rugby, we don't give the props to the props. We don't give the the you know we don't call out the forwards. We don't give them that recognition. So I just want to like you know if you want to see an amazing pass by a player in a position that's not known for passing like that, go back and and watch that Tim Metcher pass. It was it was a thing of beauty. Now, I know you're not much of a pop culture kind of guy, Pete, but there is uh, a great walk that uh, the, the owner of the WWE, Vince McMahon, does. Uh, Conor McGregor stole it as well. Tim Betcher would have rolled into training with that. It's the elbows out, the strut, <laughs> his chest puffed up. You know, come the video session, he would have hit, hit rewind, Richie, play it again <laughs> and again. And, yeah, I, you know what? You love it because... They're the, usually the biggest characters in your team are in that, you know, in the tight five, usually in the front right. row. And 
skill sessions come up, you're doing your skill work and you're doing your little block plays and misses and switches and they all get into it and they love it. And so to see Metcher do that in a game, and he's a quality player, we know that, but to see him do it in a game and, and get that result, I, I do remember that play. It was outstanding. I was kind of like, that's a great ball for anyone. That's a great ball for a 10. And, right, uh, right. You know, Metcher's, Metcher's put it right on the money there. Now let's see if you can do it 100 times in a row, like a good 10. <laughs> he doesn't have to. All he, he has know. to do it once. The fly half has to do it 100 times in a row. All he needs to do is, is do it once. He does. He has that money in the bank now. Okay. Nola Gold, Houston Sabercats. This one was a blowout, Pete. Uh, this, to my knowledge, with the exception of the shutout the Raptors put on the arrows, this had the feeling of probably the, the most one-sided contest I've seen this year as Nola Gold traveled to Houston and just put Houston through the ring of 49 points to 11. And uh, Pete, fire alarms, are they sounding in Houston here or is this just a case of a hot team getting uh, the best on the night? Well, you know, let's first, first of all, let's, let's talk a little bit about sort of how the game unfolded because Houston actually started pretty well. Um, I, you know, at the first break, halfway through the first half, they were 6 nothing up. And then when they came out of the hydration break, Nola just blew him out. I think they had 26 or 28 points in that in that next 20 minutes. And you know, this is an interesting game. This is, you know, we've talked about this before. You know, Houston win the ball. They actually had an edge in possession, right? They had an edge in territory. You know, they had a 50, 55% to 45% edge in possession. And yet Nola Gold um had an extra 250 meters on them. So this is, again, comes back to me for me that, you know, there are some basic things that the Sabercats are doing well on attack, but they're just not generating opportunities to get those big breaks and to turn that possession and territory into points. I think it's a real it's a real challenge for them. And, you know, I'm not sure where it's going to come from. And you look and, you know, um, Nola had more penalties called against them. Uh, um, Nola made, you know, many more tackles. Nola made you know, 209 tackles to 162. And and yeah, Nola are here at 49-11. And so, you know, there's, it's, I, I think, I think they're, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's alarm bells ringing in the coaches box, right? I mean, I'm, th- I'm sure the coaches down there are trying to find a way to solve the problem. And, um, you know, they're obviously going to be um, disappointed, disappointed with this, uh, with this performance. Yeah, it's crazy looking at those statistics you talked about. Houston made less tackles, missed less tackles, yet got absolutely spanked on the scoreboard. And there were a couple against the run, you know, the interception for Blewett and uh, another long-range effort right through the midfield where it looked like there was a communication breakdown in the midfield from the Sabercats. I, I, I just – well, hold on, hold on. Two tries from set piece, just like like that's what you start with on your defense, right? I mean, I mean, you're like, we're just not going to let them go forward in that, for, um, and, and the first try by Blewett that went right through the middle wasn't that complex. It was just a slightly different change of angle. And, you know, that's, that's a problem. Like that's like, that's, that's a problem defensively. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dan, I didn't want, you were in a flow, but as a coach, when I saw that, I was like, man, no, you know, it has no, to be was... frustration. It has to be frustrating for the coaches. Cause I'm sure they've worked on that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm working to that. It's not like, you know, I, I really wanted to get your thoughts on this because of your coaching pedigree. It's you sometimes see a scoreline like this and you think, wow, Nola really, you know, gave it to them. But then you dig deeper into these statistics and it's it's a much closer game. It's just 
a couple of opportunities that Nola took advantage of better than Houston took advantage of theirs. It's you know their top running meters are all outside backs. It's a you know basically blew it usually on the wing shifts to thirteen runs for two thirty seven. Elof runs for 85 and Feeks runs for 78. So your winger and your fullback there, you know, just tells you what kind of game that the Sabercats were playing and where they were making their meters. So, you know, not not a lot to really be concerned about. And up until the red card, Josh, Joshua Vithi at 154 as well for the Sabercats, a busy night for the winger. Yeah, I mean, I thought, um, you know, we look at the um, uh, some of the teams of the week and... Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I thought, you know, the forwards for Nola did a great job defending the forwards um, it, of of the um, of Houston. I thought um, it was a um, really strong performance by the pack. But it's funny. It's hard to actually identify outstanding um, performers. I thought um, Kyle Bailey, I thought, had a great game. I mean, I thought he, he really he really played well um, coming back from. From from Canada, um, I thought uh, um, Zach Striff was really playing well. Twenty one tackles, um, like you know. But you look, you actually look down, you know, the tackles made for Nola, and it's 12, 9, 13, 10, 18, 16, 21, 8. Like it's 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 a group effort. It, they're not relying on any individual one, and and those are the guys that are making the space for the JP Elofs and the Tristan Blewitts. Um, and the Nick Feeks to to get on those runs. So I thought I thought that was that was really good. And also a big shout out to sort of um, Holden Younger and Scott Gale, who were really sort of masterminding this. I think Holden Younger's really really playing some some good rugby right now. And, and you know you've seen him take a big step up from um, from last year. I think having Scott Gale there has really helped. You know, Scott Gale, traditionally a nine, has played pretty high level of rugby in Australia at nine. I think him shifting to 10 and letting Holden basically give him the keys to the castle at nine there for Nola. But being that calming, you know, veteran influence, just say, hey, try this, do this. This worked for me. This doesn't work for me. You know, I think that's really helped Holden's game a lot. And to the point where... You know, I think he's going to eventually find his way back into the uh, USA setup here if he keeps playing this this kind of rugby that he's playing down there for Nola. But, you know, you gave a shout-out to, to Gail and Younger, but how about that midfield, Gail, Foley, and Blewett? Not a missed tackle. Now, put that down to a great defensive effort from those three guys, or is Houston just not showing enough creativity in, a, in attack to, to challenge those three players in the midfield? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I'm gonna, I, I probably sound like a broken record, but I just don't think the Houston forwards are able to get over the the gain line. There, you know, Houston as a team is is, um, you know, over the gain line, forty five percent. Anything below fifty is really probably not good enough. Um, and so, you know, I I think that's their challenge. I don't know if it's a creativity issue. Um, I you know, I think I think their challenge is they're just not generating the space. For their backs, I think with Arado and Windsor, they've got two very good, um, you know, halfbacks that can certainly play with some width and create space. I just don't think they're they're, they're winning fast enough ball. Um, but you know, Dan, we can't finish this game without talking about the last few minutes. Yeah, let's talk about the red cards. Two of them, uh, both the Fijian players in Kalana Sao and Viti gone and this is not confirmed but we are hearing Joshua Vithi will be suspended for eight weeks for his uh raised elbow and Holden Youngett and Pete it's 
there, there are so many layers to what happened that night. It's so complex that um, VT's got to obviously take responsibility for his actions and control over what, what he did. But everything that happened afterwards was was a mess. Yeah, um, and I and I think I think there there were guys from both sides that could um, could have been um, sided. Uh, um, you know, I, I thought it was, um, you know, I, you know, I thought the officials handled handled it about as well as I could, as well as they could. Um, you know, I, I understand, uh, and and probably if I was, um, you know, Nate Osborne, I, I would probably quite like the fact that the team stood up, right? Because that's one of the things you want to do when one of your players gets taken, you 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 stand up. But I think that um, a, a couple of those guys, if I was um, the coach, I'd have a quick word with them and be like, you know. There's ways of standing up that don't put you and the team in jeopardy. Um, you know, it was interesting to be able to hear the um, uh, to hear you know the referee um, you know talk to the touch judges, use the touch judges. You know, um, uh, I, I thought Ben Ben Krause handled it about as well as he could have. Um, you know, he saw he saw the VT. He didn't see the um, Kalinasal. That came from the from the assistant referee. Uh, which is, you know, very legitimate. And then, um, you know, there's a, for the red cards, there's a hearing. Um, and, um, you know, from that hearing, you get the, um, you know, the, the bands that come in, um, you know, and uh, as you said, you know, the, the rumor is Vithi is going to be eight weeks and that that would only be because um, of his prior history. He, he was, uh, he had a three week ban um, last year. Um, and uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's 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 disappointing. I'm sure, um, you know, both coaches are disappointed, um, and I think you know probably, um, you know, Nola probably feel that they're a little bit lucky that uh, you know Houston have walked away with a, a couple of players that are going to take a break, and 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 they didn't. Yeah, rewatching the footage, Pete, I didn't find a lot in there to really, you know put a, a claim to a charge against any of the players after what Vithi did to Youngit. Um, I have to say that I'm not sure if you saw it, but I was, I, I, I kind of smiled because when Youngit finally got up. I love was, this. That was the group. And then he kicks the ball into the group of four, forward, of, I think mainly forwards, but uh, the, the group of players, like not at anyone, but just his frustration is just, you know, he kicks it and it just goes wherever it ends up going. I think it, I think it hits one of his own players. I, was I like, think it okay. does hit one of his yeah. own players. It's a it's a deafening thud too. I think it's the best strike of the ball he's ever had in his career, Paul Youngett. And uh, yeah, just frustrated. But uh, let's just uh, let's just move on now. This may take some editing. I don't want to put our producer on the spot here, Aaron Castro. But I'd love to get the soundbite from the tips last week for the Glendale. San Diego game where I said, can I please pick a draw? And well, wouldn't you believe it? Look what happened. San Diego, Glendale, 28 points apiece. You know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Come on, give me some credit here, Pete. No, I'll I'll give you credit. Um, I think my phrase, if if uh, if Aaron pulls it, was something because I think I chose San Diego by three, and I think I said, but it could easily as easily go the other way. I thought this was a great game. I can make it happen. (laughs) Thanks, Aaron. Hello, I'm your producer, Aaron Castro, and Dan and Pete asked me to 
flash us back and rewind just to last week because Dan Power did call a draw. Oh, well, I mean... Have we ever predicted be, a score yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going big on those last two games, and so let's go first on this one. We've got uh, um, San Diego Legion at Glendale. It's going to be on 9news.com, and uh, let's get you your thoughts on this first. This is probably the hardest game to call. Well, I mean, the, the, the two hardest games to call are bookending, right? So this is 9 p.m. on, on Saturday. Um, what's your, you know, and I know... I know it's going to be hard, but but what do you think? I think these top are four. Be two. It's a top four clash with the Raptors and the Legion. Um, you got friends on both sides, so whatever you say, you're going to yeah, get yeah, yeah. I can't. <laughs> it's going to be a draw. Um, <laughs> well, what can you do? Well, the Raptors have already had a draw. San Diego coming off the loss. Now Ryan Mattias was a late scratch on the weekend with a quad strain. So if he can uh, overcome that, he said it was pretty close. It was just a little too iffy and they didn't want to risk it. So he adds a big difference to that back line for, uh, for the Legion. Because you've got Davies coming back, you've got McGee, you've got Hermeses, and you've got Al Jabori coming back for the Raptors, which is a big one, real big one. At home too, um, it's at 7 o'clock kickoff, so night game, Saturday night. Should get a good crowd there in Glendale. Ooh, that's really tough. That's really tough. Here's, here's, here's what I'm processing in my head now. Who do I want to get calling and messaging me at the end of the week, Zach Fanolio or Lou Stanfield? That's what I need to do. I don't actually care about the game itself. I'm just trying to figure manage which one is going to be the most the way, annoying to deal with. Like- this sounds like the Brexit negotiations. It's all about the politics, not actually about anything that's going on. So, so, so play, play your personal politics and make your choice. Can I call a draw? You can call a draw. I think you might be wrong. I think it might be a poor call, but you can definitely call a draw if that's what's going to help you handle your friendships. Dan, yeah, is, least- this about, is this about vacation? Or is this about someone who also knows where you live? Just, just think well, about they both they both know where I live. Ooh, so, um, proximity. Yeah. Oh, that's true. No, Zach Fanelli will never drive north of Denver. To him, that's uh, the great wasteland of the north. I'm safe. He, he's not uh, getting off Clippity Cloppity Hill and, and bringing the Lexus up here to get me. That's for sure. I'm safe. So I'm safe. I could take him. I think. I think I still got a couple of good ones in me. I'll get him. And we're back to episode 25. Enjoy the rest of the show. Um, uh, I thought this was a great game. I, I thought that um, uh, both teams played well. There was continuity. There was execution. Um, I really thought that uh, it was um, just a, a wonderful game to watch. There were, you know, I, I mean, I think when, when you say what's a high-quality game, one of the things that I look for, and I'm going to give – props to Derek Summers because the referee is really important in this. But what I look for is this idea of momentum, right? And so who has momentum? And if a team has momentum and then is able, because they're able to execute, be able to hold on to that moment, momentum for some time and be able to apply pressure, then that's a high quality performance. And both of these teams did this. They, they did it on attack and defense. And it was just a great game to watch. I agree 100%. I was able to watch bits and pieces of this game, obviously with the young fella not doing too well. That was uh, Daddy Duty was number one. But 
I said a few weeks ago when Glendale came back and got the draw against Utah that it was a win for them, but I think they'll see this as an opportunity missed, the Raptors, because they, uh, to, to my feeling of the game, they were in control. It was at home. They had a pretty good crowd by the looks of it. And, uh, you know, San Diego missing a couple of players that they would normally have there, uh, in particular, Lou Stanford. We talked about the role he's played as a defensive leader for the Legion. I think they missed that a lot uh, in this game. But uh, the Raptors, I thought they had the ascendancy in the second half and they should have won this game. And they uh, just couldn't keep San Diego at bay. Mikey Teo, how good is Mikey Teo? Uh, we've always talked about it. He just... If you walked in down the street and you saw Mike Taylor and you said, that guy's an outside back. He's probably one of the best outside backs in the USA at the moment. You know, people would probably slap you. You'd be like, no way, no way. That guy's a hooker or, you know, something. No, Mikey Taylor just keeps getting it done. I love watching him play. He's just such a, you know, a freestyling player out there. He just plays what's in front of him. And he would have been such a fun guy to have outside you when you're playing as well. Pete, this was a, a great game. I really, really enjoyed this game from what I saw of it. And uh, I know I've been pretty critical of the Raptors uh, early in the year. I don't think they started well. I think they're starting to find their rhythm. And I think both these sides will be well and truly in the mix come, the, uh, come June this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think if I'm the coach of the Raptors, I'm happy with the performance, but disappointed with the result. Um, I think I think they have some work to do. I mean, they actually were pretty dominant in this game, but they're struggling in the scrum. I mean, they were doing things with Blake Rogers and um, uh, um, Fafida, trying to work out like it was difficult, you know, who was playing tight head, who was playing loose head. Um, even Paddy Ryan on the San Diego side, who I think is just having an amazing season um, you know, he started at tight head and then moved to loose head and he dominated on both sides. And so I think for the Raptors to be true championship contenders, they're going to have to work out, you know, what's the best, their best combination on the scrum, on the scrum. But big shout out to John Ryberg. You know, last year it was, um, you know, all about Harley Davidson. He has a cool name. He scored a lot of tries. But, you know, John Ryberg, the big wing, comes for work. And is just like, a, you know, his really seems to be like um, coming into his own. How about the legs on Ryberg? My <laughs> I don't want to say it, but yeah, he, it's scary legs. Scary are those legs. custom? Are those custom shorts? You think? I, I don't think they uh, can get. I, yeah, I don't think. I don't think they could. Because that waist is is at tops a thirty four, but those quads, <laughs> they're, they're not taking a thirty four waist at all. Right. He is a, he is a machine. And, uh, yeah, leading the try scorer, uh, it was uh, kind of fun watching him and Tristan Blewett kind of go back and forth. Those games were on around the same time. Uh, Ryberg would score, Blewett would get one, then Blewett another one, and then Ryberg. So they're uh, sitting atop the try scoring table together. And uh, that rematch will be interesting to watch too. Those two sides are going to meet again, Pete, April 20th in San Diego. I think that will be a really, really good game to watch um, as as – we get into April and we really start to see sides push for that top four. And I think you're going to start seeing some sides maybe fall off as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, um, you know, both of these teams, I think a lot of this is going to come down to depth. I mean, I honestly think that um, a, a bunch of this is going to come down for depth. And I think that, um, you know, I, and I said this last week, I've been really impressed with Glendale's ability to basically kind of hold serve while they're missing, you know, you know, really their best back row forward in Kamasai's and their nine and 10 
in Davies and McGee. And I thought Davies just had a great game. He runs, you know, as a former scrum half, I love the support lines he runs. Like I, you know, I would, I would, I would have to work a lot harder than him because I don't quite have his pace, but you know, he's always on the shoulder. And um, I thought that, you know, he was a big difference maker when he came, um, when he came back on the, on, on the San Diego side, you know, I think um, in the second half, I thought that um, JP Duplessis began to find some space. And I thought that was really important for the um, Legion to be able to um, get go forward. And of course, the reality is that they wouldn't have tied if it wasn't for the kicking of Joe Peterson, who I think has missed one kick this year. I think, yeah. I think, I, I think that, and, it, and, you know, it was like there aren't many kickers in the world when you have that kick at the end of the game and it's, you know, near the sideline and you're just like, he's going to make it. Oh, I'm sure, did. I'm sure he loved it. I'm honestly uh, having talking to Joe and the kind of person he is, he would have lined that up and absolutely relished that moment. Well, he was certainly enjoying getting the stick from the fans. I mean, I think his last two kicks, he turned around and uh, let them know that um, he had heard them, but he had still made the kick. So I think that was, um, that that was definitely uh, um, something that he enjoyed. Well, you're hitting a hot button there and respect the kicker, but you know what? If the crowd's going to give it to the kicker, they've got to be ready to take it right back when he puts it between the posts. So good on Joe Peterson. And uh, really, you know, you look at some of these statistics, Pete, JP Duplessis and Joe Peterson combining for 40 tackles, 21 for Duplessis and 19 for Peterson really shows where Glendale sent their traffic, right? Yeah, they and, and really also, tried to wear that midfield out, and they knew the creativity was on the back of Peterson, who's on old legs. We've talked about that, and Duplessis. He's the danger man in the 12 jersey. So it looks like they really tried to wear those guys out defensively and try to stifle their creativity through that as well. Well, if you look at like like you know the possession stats are, are pretty impressive on Glendale's side. I mean, they're almost 60 percent, and so they had you know 20 percent more possession, and that's why you know, the tackle count is so high. And I actually think that um, one of the reasons why they had that, because if, if you look like, you know, um, uh, the set piece of the scrum in particular of San Diego was stronger, um, you know, it was about a draw in the line out, turnovers are about the same. So you say, well, what's the difference? And I think part of that is when they put Joe Peterson at fullback and, um, you know, and you have McGee at 10, what tends to happen is that when a kick comes to San Diego and Peterson fields it, he's going to kick it back. And when he kicked it back, Glendale didn't return kick. They ran it back. And so I think that's one of the reasons why Glendale had such an edge in territory. And I think that, you know, if I'm the coaching staff of uh, San Diego, I'm going to look at that and I'm going to be like, we, we put a lot of pressure on our defense. And, you know, Joe Peterson's a great kicker, but as the game went on, Glendale were reading it and there were more and more players back and that just gives you more time to run and we should have a couple of goes running and seeing what we can do with the ball in hand because they've got such great runners before we do that return kick. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Rob Hoadley makes that adjustment as the season goes on. It certainly will. And plenty of great performances over the weekend, Pete. Uh, but Player of the Week goes to the panel of experts and their decision came down to the number eight from the Seattle Seawolves. Rickard Hatting finally 
you and I have been pushing, even as former backs, we've said, let's get a forward as player of the week. Give him some credit. The big boys up front, they're not as pretty as us, but they do all the hard work so we can look good. And it was the number eight for the Seawolves, Ricard Hatting, who was our player of the week, and we caught up with him earlier. Well, thank you, Ricard, for joining us on Major League Rugby kickoff today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, I mean, you've... You had a, um, a little bit of uh, a flirtation with U.S. rugby um, a few years ago. Obviously, uh, you're from South Africa, um, played for the Blue Bulls. But you did have, you kind of dipped your toe in American rugby with the, uh, um, with the Austin Blacks back in 2015. How did that connection happen? Um, so, yeah, I was, I was supposed to, I was at the Bulls on the 19th. I was supposed to go um, overseas at the end of the, my second year. Um, so I was playing club rugby and found out obviously I was still young, dumb, just you know, the overseas mindset in my in my mind and didn't realize I couldn't get a UK working visa. Um, everyone in South Africa has already been contracted because it was the end of the year, it was in December, so there's obviously no contracts left. And then a guy who I played for, he actually plays for the Austin Arms, Brandon Rams. Um, he played in America the year before, and uh, so I played back home with him club rugby and he's like oh well you might as well come over and just come check it out i mean you've got nothing to lose right and i was like okay sweet i'll come check it out um and yeah that's how i got to um the awesome blacks now you know um obviously you know let's not talk about the rugby let's talk about what a great choice you made of the city of austin oh unbelievable i was just i was just back by there. luck right just sheer by luck you found yourself in one of the best so like let's just talk about it. so so you go back um to play with the blue balls in the curry cup and and yeah. and then you um you know but but was that taste of did did that little taste with austin did you just say hey i think there's something going on in america and is that what brought you back to the aviators yeah, so obviously my time when I was in uh, in Austin, um, our coaches were Scottish, Donny and Stevie, and they were uh, friends with uh, Steve Lewis, who's obviously Scottish as well, and he was the CEO. So during my time, yeah, I met Steve briefly in uh, Las Vegas with the Sevens. Uh, when, during my time, yeah, there was kind of the chat started to build about America might have a pro league, it might come. And uh, me and Tony always used to joke with him, said like, if Austin had a professional record, it would be the best city in the United States, you know, off in the world. Like, it would be everything. Or, or if America could have a professional league. And then um, I actually, like I said, it was just a chat happening. And then went back home and um, played for the Bulls. And then the deputy CEO at that time at the Bulls, he hosts the seventh tournament in Dallas every year. Uh, big seventh tournament in Dallas. And... He got in connection with um, uh, Steve Lewis and I think at the seventh tournament. And then through that, they reached out back, or he actually reached out back to me and said, am I interested in going to playing in, in America? And I'm like, yeah, definitely. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening obviously back home. So I was like, I was ready to go and explore the opportunity and see what this new league was all about. Well, great. Well, you know, it sounds like uh, quite a bit of networking and some luck got you here. And yeah. and you've now been here long enough that this summer 
um, you're going to qualify for the U.S. Eagles. So is, is that a goal of yours? And is, have, there, have there been any discussion with Gary Gold or members of his staff about kind of where you fit? Uh, I did that too much, too much from them. That was obviously the goal. Um, after our first game over, when I came back to the um, the Aviators, actually, my I don't think the first time coming over that I would have been here for a long time because I was still playing Curry Cup and there was a bit of visa issues. So I only played the last six games of the season. And then uh, my mindset was actually just to play, you know, finish the league and then maybe go to France and go play. And then kind of to the end, just before we finished, a few people spoke to me uh, and basically planted the idea in my head of, you know, I could be eligible in three years and hopefully, you know, get a few caps under my belt. Maybe if all goes well, um, make the World Cup. Um, so that was kind of my decision to stay. So that is definitely a goal. Um, I just, they did send me my eligibility papers uh, just to see what the qualification and stuff is. Uh, but I guess the chess would happen more uh, closer to my time that I am uh, eligible. Right. And it's probably, um, you know, it, it's, it's just very close to the, like two months before or three months before the World Cup, yeah, right? So it would be, yeah, it'd be very close. So, so you've, um, you know, you, you came over um, to the Seawolves. Uh, the Seawolves had a great first year, the inaugural champions. You, though, yourself had a very difficult first year. You spent most of that season injured. So talk a little bit about sort of the challenge that you had in your first year um, being a player coach, but actually mainly being the coach because you weren't able to play. Yeah, no, it was obviously tough, um, especially in a, in, a, in a season like that, the first year where there's only, you say, nine, ten games or, or whatever it was. Um, so it's not like in a normal league back home where you get injured and you can take your time, recover, and you can come back and still play the majority of the season. Um, so yeah, obviously, first game, second minute of the game, got a concussion, obviously thinking it's just a you know normal dink against the head, kept on playing. And then obviously just trying to press again with the thought in my head that season is short, I don't want to, you know, and kind of pressing it a bit too much. And uh, yeah, and then just symptoms coming back and just, uh, you know, listening to the medical staff and obviously taking health first um, and just waiting it out properly and getting back together. Um, it was obviously tough, um, but, you know, that just, did my job, did uh, what I could and put all my time and effort into the coaching and helping the forwards and seeing where we can improve there. And I'm lucky enough that I could have, that I came back um, at the end of the season, you know, when it mattered. Well, you know, you came back for the playoffs when everyone else was exhausted, but you were fresh, right? Physically. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, the, 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 the thing with like, it's, it's a lot of guys, yeah, it, feel, it feels fresh, but then with a concussion, like, like you probably know, it's not like a, you know, like you got a shoulder injury or whatever, so you can still do a lot of fitness. I wasn't allowed to really get my heart rate up too much. So right, right. I wasn't able to do any fitness, basically. So I went into that. I know both games puking after half time because I obviously <laughs> haven't done fitness. Well, but but well, I just got, I just went through on belief. That's all. Well, you um, you had an impact in those games. I mean, it was uh, I, I called both of those games and. You were a force. You you put all of your frustration of not being able to play through the opposition and had a huge impact on the um, uh, a huge impact on um, 
the Seawolves' ability to win those those two games. So this this year's been a little bit different, right? So you um, you actually have a head coach, Richie Walker. Um, you know, some challenges early on, and, and Richie was able to step up. So um, has that allowed you to step back a little bit and focus a little bit more on your game relative to the um, relative to the first season? Yeah, definitely. No, that's um, no, he's helped. You know, Mets was taking a pressure of a lot of decision making and stuff off us. Um, so we're still, you know, doing my fourth coaching job, but there's a lot less stress and lots less pressure to try and organize everything and, uh, you know, me- talking to the media and all that kind of stuff. And just have someone above to kind of coordinate and put the stuff together is, is, is awesome. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. been a year like this. Uh, for me, it's, it's an important year. So just to be able to focus a bit more on playing. Um, and not worry about all the other stuff off the field and stuff. So, so let's talk about the Seawolf season. So, you know, um, uh, I think it's your first four games were against, you know, teams that you might end up being in the playoffs with, right? So it was Glendale, San Diego, well, NOLA and Toronto and um, New York. And, you know, all of those were great games. Um, you... Uh, you know, won a couple and and lost a couple. And then in the last two games against um, Houston and Austin, two teams that, you know, aren't considered in, you know, to be in the playoff picture, you, you struggled at the start, but were able to pull away at the end. So, you know, has there been any discussion that you've had in the second half? You've, you know, you've got a, a weekend off and, and you've got a break coming up. Has there been any any discussions about, you know, how you can, start better against some of those teams? And, you know, what do you think that, that reason is? Uh, no, definitely. That's something that, uh, we call just typical Seawolves fashion at the moment. You know, it's uh, just getting past <laughs> the strongest, you know. But uh, everyone always talks and guys, people, you know, if commentators, oh, um, supporters say they've never, they, they weren't stressed at all. They know it will come through at the end. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, it's a bit of a mindset to do, you know. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think... It was also Austin coming out, and we can't take anything away from Austin. Um, like every every team in the league, it doesn't matter where they are on the standings. They didn't have anything to lose, so they could play rugby. If you're going to give them, they're going to come out 100%. So they showed it. I mean, I think they played their best rugby this season in that first 20 minutes. Um, so and then it's just basically, yeah, like you say, a wake-up call, realizing they are here to play. It's not going to be an easy game. No games in the MR this year is easy. We saw that from all the other teams where they finished last year and just how oh, they made a 90-degree turn this year that um, everyone is here to play and everyone's going to bring their best. So you have to go into every game with the mentality it's going to be a tough game. You need to start from minute one to minute 80. Um, so I don't think it's something in the game plan. I think it's a bit more of a mindset that um, we've been working and talking about and just to shift the focus going into the games. So one of the... Uh, um... Uh, one of the things that we, uh, Dan and I, talked about on um, the the uh, um, podcast uh, was sort of the strength of schedule. So you guys have a weekend off and then, you know, you're right back into it. Have you guys discussed what your goals are for the second half of the season? Yeah, we have. We, we, we're starting to talk about it, you know, and just um, clearing stuff up. That's what we're doing this week. And, um, still using this week as training and um, coming in next week where we have a long week saying we have a bye week so getting as much training in as possible and just uh, you know tightening stuff up tightening we did a lot of film review we're doing some film review tonight 
and just tightening the small aspects up um, going into the second round. Well, you know, there's uh, you are the first player of the week that's a forward. And um, so congratulations. Oh. Um, all the backs and all the tries. Who's the, who's been... the, who's the, who's the buyers guys that fix this stuff? Yeah, I know. I know. There must be all backs. backs. It's not us. I have to say it's not us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so, so let's let's talk about your forward pack. So your forward pack is obviously very strong. In fact, um, I, I think that the strength of the Seattle scrum in season one changed some of the um, recruiting that you saw um, around the country with lots of foreign tight heads and high class tight heads being yeah. brought in. And, you know, I, I, if, if you could, Dan and I talked about um, a special skillful moment from a forward in the game that led to one of your tries um, when uh, Tim Metcher threw a double flat cutout pass to um, Sequoia Burt Coombs, yeah. who was held up um, over the line. And then from that resulting scrum, you scored. But um, you know, if you can just keep it on the down low, but if you can tell us how, um, if Richie shows that and, and what Tim's reaction was, because we feel like he would want that to be shown several times as a forward playing like a back. So just, uh, just, just keep that in mind when you have your video session tonight. <laughs> no, it is, it is actually pretty funny with, with the match. He actually gave a little, uh, we're training last week and it was like the last last move before we finish up and uh, he was on the defensive side and he actually caught the ball on 10 and gave a, put a little chip over. And, um, <laughs> Matt Turner was actually on the defensive side on the same side as him and caught the ball and went and scored, you know. So we were joking about that. Um, so so he, he's your backup for Ben Seema? Is that, is that what you're saying? Well, Tim Metcher? Three slash 10. At the moment it looks like that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so, you know, uh, I just want to finish up with, with, with a couple of things. So tell me, um, you know, who, who are some of the players on the Seawolves that have really impressed you this year? Um, either players that have stepped up or, or new players. Um, someone that's, that's really surprised you with their level of performance. Um, if I think of someone, I mean, there's a couple, there's a couple of guys that obviously made a big step up and that's growing every year. Um, Eric Duchal is obviously one of them doing really well, um, learning a lot, taking his time learning. Uh, Jeremy Lennertz is obviously doing a lot better this year, like learning a lot, uh, putting his time in, and he's improved a lot. Uh, George Barton on the centers, he's doing absolutely very well this past two games that he's played. Sequoia by himself being thrown in there when Matt was injured, doing real well. I mean, his first start, he got um, man of the match last week against Houston, so he's obviously doing really well. Um, so, yeah. I it's interesting um, because I think one of the challenges around, about Seattle is that you guys have, um, you know, such a strong team um, team effort that happens. I think that um, it's it, if you look, Seattle, you know, there aren't, um, you know, I don't think there were many internationals from the Canada or the U.S. that came from Seattle because it's actually, you know, if you look at the stats everyone tackles. You don't have one person that you rely on. So it would make sense that there are a lot of people. Um, and then last, last two questions, a little bit of fun. So, um, you know, Matt, Matt Turner is obviously the guy that gets most in trouble. Um, probably the most annoying player, I, I would guess on the Seawolves. So, so who's the, you know, and we know that from his um, frosted tips, right? So every time he gets in trouble, he has to dye his hair. Um, who, who's, who's the second guy that, that, that you have to keep in line um, and and him from going off the rails outside of Matt Turner. 
Ah, uh, you know, that's that 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 backup that backup thing of ours, you know. Him himself is sometimes uh to to Mitcha, definitely wants to <laughs> <laughs> like backup ten, who's your backup ten? Okay. Tim Metcher, formerly uh, forwards coach suggests he's no, the he backup loves, ten. No, I'm just joking, he loves but he loves to have fun. That's yeah. Well, you know, this weekend you have a well-deserved weekend off. What are your plans? Um, I'm actually speaking to the girlfriend to see if she wants to go somewhere just to take a bit of a break. Uh, we had a bye week the previous time and we kind of planned on taking a bit of a break, you know, getting to the sun a bit. Uh, and it didn't work out, so we'll still discuss it um, probably tonight, tomorrow, see what happens um, and where we plan on going. Yeah, that's that. You know, Seattle's a, a great city and there's a lot of stuff going on there. But not a lot of sun. I must say, that, that's a difficult. This last three days has been 75, 74, 72. <laughs> it's actually been real nice, yes. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, um, Rika, thank you so much for taking the time for joining us. Enjoy your weekend off and good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Have a good time. There he is. Big Rika Hatting and Pete. You talked about the Seawolves and how much better they looked last year. Uh, having him for the whole season is going to be absolutely crucial to them going back-to-back in 2019. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love him as a player. I think he's dynamic. He's, a, he's obviously a leader. He's the, he uh, um, you know, helps coach the forwards. He's a great line-out jumper. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a great creator. Um, I've, I've actually had a couple of conversations with Richie Walker where I, I, I think Seattle – they tend to leave him out wide and, and kind of like, you know, try and get the ball to him. I, I think there are ways that they can um, use him um, more effectively, but he was definitely used effectively in that game with the 15 carries that he had. Yeah, he was outstanding down there against Austin to get that win. Pete, let's jump into this weekend because it's a big weekend. Only three games this weekend. It actually starts early Thursday night as the Utah Warriors travel down to Houston. That'll be on 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific on Cube and Facebook Watch. Uh, the Warriors, they've gone close. They've had the draw and, you know, they've had the win against Austin. And they've gone close in their other games. They have to have this one penciled in as a must win, you would think, down there in Houston. Yeah, I mean, I think for Utah, they they have to win this game. I mean, I mean if they're going to have a chance of being able to get into the top four and be in consideration for playoffs. This is definitely a must win. They're a team that, you know, they've been disrupted with some weather. Um, You know, they lost Josh Reeves during the ARC. That meant that they had to um, move O'Malley from 12 to 10. I think that that was difficult for them. Uh, You know, they've had some injuries at Hooker, although, you know, I saw that they've um, uh, signed probably one of the best young hookers um, in the Americas in German Kessler, the um, Uruguayan hooker. Don't know that he'll be cleared um, by this weekend, but that would be a big boost for them if he if he was. Um, and you know, for Houston, this is going to be a test. You know, of um, you know, I remember vividly, um, and I actually think Lou Stanford was on this team um, losing ninety six nothing to um, Canada West at the NA four in two thousand and six. I think it was a two thousand and five. And then having to turn around three days later and play another game, and it was probably you know the, my best one of my best three days of coaching. Um, we turned around and we and we beat um, uh, the USA Falcons. Um, you know we learned a lot in that game, so I think it'll be interesting to see um, what Houston does, the character of that team, 
that, you know, they have quality players. Um, I think this will be a real gut check for Houston. All right. I'll make, I'll make the tip first for you. Then. I'll go <laughs> I'll go Utah. I think no Klenisau, no Vithi. Uh, I don't know if Houston can make the adjustments in time to change their style of play uh, to uh, accommodate for missing those two players who you look at the statistics, Vithi in particular has been their biggest meter eater. I'll go Utah down there. I think they'll get it done uh, pretty easy in the end, 32-17. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I I have to pick Utah. I, I don't want to count out Houston, um, you know, and, and, and what they can do to turn it around. But um, you know, Vithi um, has been their big playmaker. Um, they're, they're losing him. They're going to have to adjust their game plan. I think Utah are going to enjoy not playing in the snow. Um, you know, I don't think we've seen the best of them yet. So um, I'm going to go with Utah. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I'm going to go Utah. Um, 25 15 25 that's pretty close yeah it should be a tight we'll see how they bounce back i mean i mean i, mean, I, I was actually going to give houston i was going to go something like you know 25 20 and then i thought i'm like i don't think houston has shown us that they can score that many points and i think utah are a pretty decent defensive team so i i said it was going to be close and then i stretched it out again I think this is going to be Utah's coming out party. I think this is their run to the top four. There you go. Mark it down. What's the date? March. <laughs> what is it? Nineteenth. Mark it it's down. Okay. We, we don't have to mark it down. Um, Aaron's recording it. We can we can pull back all of the stuff. There we go. All right. Saturday night. Austin Elite versus Nola. The winless Austin. Can they get their first win? No, they cannot. Not against Nola. Not in Nola. Nola too hot. Everything did Austin do poorly. Nola do great. This one, uh, we thought 49-11 was a blowout. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Austin, they've been improving week by week. Uh, we'll see if they can make another step in the right direction. But I think Nola at home there on a uh, Saturday afternoon, they should get a good crowd. Front runners, they're on top of the table again. And uh, I think New Orleans will be too good down there. I think they may crack 40 against Austin. So I'll go uh, 42-11. Wow. Um, I, I think, you know, I, there's, you know, we've had some discussions. Um, I've been involved in, in some discussions in social media on Facebook and Twitter about, you know, how, how you should look at um, uh, sort of um, coaching competence within sort of the major league rugby season. And the hard thing is that, you know, I always, I always say good players make good coaches and good coaches make good players better. And so, for me, one of the important measures is to look at improvement. And I think we've really seen that with Austin is, is, is we've seen improvement. Um, I think that um, I don't think they've improved enough to, to beat Nola, but I think they're going to be a little bit more competitive than, than, than you're suggesting. I think Nola's going to win this game 35-20. Um, That's pretty competitive. Not bad. That'll be a good game down there actually on a, on a Saturday afternoon. So, that one's on uh, Cox Sports, sorry, and then ESPN Plus everywhere else. So Cox Sports down in New Orleans, ESPN Plus everywhere else. And then Sunday's game, which is uh, CBS Game of the Week, called by yours, uh, not yours truly, the one and only Pete Steinberg, who'll be out there in New York. It's the Raptors traveling to Rooney. Tough road trip out onto the East Coast with the time change, and they throw it on at 2 Eastern, so midday mountain time. Not too bad, I guess, unless you're a late riser. Uh, this one, I'm going to let you go. Did you go first last time? You did? No. Well, I, did. I haven't you gone go first, first yet. I, I'm, I'm first. just so, giving... So I'm hold giving, on, I'm, hold on, hold on. I'm going to do the Dan Power. Hey, okay. can I um can I call the tie? 
and then let me pick one team to win. So if there is a tie, I can say, oh, I, I called the tie. I think this is going to be a close game. I think I think these are what are you going to defend yourself? No, I just I just want to make sure they grab that soundbite of you saying right. this is going to be a tie, so you can have the same luxury that I had this week of coming back and using that to to your advantage. All right, so um, I, I think this is another um, good game. Both of these teams played in in, in great games. Obviously, um, Rooney get to play at home. I think there's going to be a bit of an advantage. That stadium is a baseball stadium, you know. It's it's going to be two o'clock. I I think I think Rooney's going to have a little bit of a home field advantage. The crowd looked pretty good. Um, I think they I think um, they said about three thousand people. So hopefully, um, and they also said it was impossible to get to on a on a Friday night. So they're looking for a bigger crowd at two. Um, I think it's going to be close, but I think with home field advantage, I'm going to give Rooney the edge. I think this is going to be a really really good game, but I think it's going to be a good game that's marked with some good defense. So. I think Rooney's going to win this game 24-22. What did you say? 24-22. 24-22. I'm just looking at the tables. You know, Glendale's played one extra game. They've only got three wins to Rooney's five. Rooney's only lost coming to Seattle in Seattle, both on 23 points on the back of the bonus points and the two ties for Glendale. I think this is going to be the biggest test for Glendale this year. Big road trip out there. Let's see. They've got all their players back from uh, the ARC. Let's see. Uh, does Cahill Marsh play? Who knows? Does Harry Bennett play if he doesn't, or does Martina go to 10? Do you let him start at 10? Who knows? We're going to have to wait until the teams are announced. I just think this is going to be a, a big, big test. How do you bounce back from a tie when you're winning and you get that late try? Emotionally, how do you feel, Pete? Oh, I'm winning the tipping. Aaron just put up the tipping. I'm winning. Am I? 28 and what? Yeah, I'm winning. Oh, let's stop the fight right now. Let's By win fight. percentage, yes, because Pete decided to, you know, work one week. Oh, that's right. You, no, you had to take Stabina's tips, which were horrible that week. So <laughs> I am not taking Mark's tips. That guy, oh. that guy is too nice. I think he probably tipped on how, you know, by being nice, he probably just picked the other teams from you to make sure every team got one because Mark's no. such a great guy. I'm not taking his tips, but I'm okay. Like, this is what, you know, this is a long season. We're halfway through. And so, yeah. you know, crow as much as you can because I'm pretty confident about who's going to end up on top. I got beat so bad last year that I'm going to enjoy this moment right now <laughs> at uh, on March 19th where I was in front. I'll tell you what I'll do. When I get an unassailable lead, I'll let Mark pick a week for me and then we're even. Okay. <laughs> How's that sound? All right, let's get back, on to, get back on the point. I'll, I will go Rooney as well. Uh, I think it'll be a tight game. I think Rooney will get a try at the end just to kind of uh, extend a little bit. Uh New York's so tough. That's a tough road trip for anyone out there. It's it's a lot further east than people realize. Um, New York, as the, the U.S. kind of dips out. But I will go Rooney. I will go uh, 28-19. A late try. I think it's going to be in the balance right until the end, but Rooney will score late and just kind of open that gap up a little bit. 28-19, Rooney to get the win there. And uh, Dylan Fawcett and John Quill. Lots of motivation to play well in this game against their old club, the Glendale Raptors. So look for both of those guys to have uh, big, big games. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think this is going to be. A, I'm really excited to call the game. I, it's, uh, um, 
I think it's going to be a really, really exciting game. I'm looking forward to seeing quality players on the pitch. So, well, dip um, over to Coney Island, grab a hot dog, and um, I plan on I, so you know my my plan of staying at LaGuardia. Um, I plan on uh, um, heading down to Coney Island a little bit early and and getting an early lunch before we have our talent meeting. And uh, as long as the weather holds, um, being enjoying a little bit of the. Uh, um, you know, the hot dogs and uh, all that sort of stuff. I'm actually just looking up the weather now. Let me um, just indulge me. Don't I'll, change your tip. No, I'm not going to change. No, this is snowing okay, in New on. York. Hold on. We've, 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 I've completely, uh, um, definitely not changing my tip. Um, I am uh, my, trying to, what I'm doing is I'm working out um, my schedule about what I'm going to do when I'm in New York. Um, are we still on on air? Are we still being recording? I'm, I'm, I'm of course, confused. Of course we are. <laughs> of course we are. All right. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Let me. I've got it right here. Sunday, mostly sunny, 60 degrees. High of oh, 60. Gorgeous. 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 I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sunbathe on the beach. Oh, beach. That's what I'm going to do. Wear the dark sunglasses, folks, if you're out near Coney Island on Sunday. <laughs> That English tan, it's blinding. You and you and Carl Marsh are walking next to oh, He makes – oh, come on. Be fair. He makes me look tan. He does. And we love him. He's a great player. But, well, Pete, that wraps up another show. It's going to be a great week. Really looking forward to tuning in on uh, Sunday there at uh, midday. Nice early game so I can get up, have some breakfast, do some work around the house and watch you carve things up out there in that CBS game for the New York and Glendale game. Folks, appreciate you tuning in. And, Pete, what do they need to do on all the uh, different uh, avenues that they're listening to us on? Absolutely. Well, um, really uh, love everyone to be able to subscribe. So whether you're using it on Stitcher or Google Play, please make sure that you subscribe to us and where you can in places like iTunes. If you can give us a rating and a review, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more um, the easier it is for people to find when they search for Major League Rugby content. Yeah, a couple of sponsors. Get in there too. Uh, Mercedes-Benz, Hugo Boss. Come on. Take care of us. No? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's uh, – um, I don't think we're quite there yet. All right. One day maybe. Well, thanks, folks, for tuning in. MLR kickoff podcast. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the weekend's game, and we will catch you next week. Bye for now.